Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. Good morning, Park Lawn. So we're here again today on to our second series, second session on authentic families, authentic relationships. And again, if you're looking and asking, all right, I heard you talking last week. And even before then, how many received a blessing just from our married couples last week? And wasn't it crazy? I had so many people come up and tell me how they could relate to one couple or another and how grateful they were just for how open and authentic they, they truly were and saying, oh, it's not just me. How exciting is it to realize that you're not alone? How exciting is it to find healing, not because someone is telling you what to do, but you see how God's working through their life and you can identify with them. And this is part of what authentic families, authentic relationships is about. It's an opportunity for us to truly begin to build true relationship with one another. Moving away from, as soon as service ends, we're out the door because we don't understand each other. Authentic families, authentic relationships is about understanding each other, taking the time to seek to understand one another. So we're bringing you intentionally, strategically, all the main groups within a family. And when we define family, we define it as the family at home, however that looks. And then we also define the family of God because we're many parts, but we're one body, right? So as we look at this, we're bringing our married couples. Today, we're bringing our unmarried. Next week, we are bringing our silver saints. The next week we're bringing our youth, and then the next week we're bringing our family members have special needs. With the entire purpose of, here's your exercise, you're getting the opportunity to hear their hearts, hear their experiences, hear what life is like for them. Your job is to step outside of yourself, your typical biases, because we all got them, right? Is it fair just to be open with that part right here? And then to turn around and seek to understand with the goal of, with this new understanding, are there different ways that I can pursue developing a deeper relationship? 
whether it's with people on the stage or others in the church that you can identify with, but the idea is to step outside of ourselves that would leave us with walls. And when we step outside of ourselves and we realize that we're not alone, it's amazing how we can turn around and find true healing. The idea is not to fix. So we're not gonna hear our, our panel, our amazing panel coming up here and trying to solve problems. We share our story of what God did and then God takes care of the rest. And we meet one another with, by acknowledging that they are their own person. They're autonomous, just like God has created us. He gave us free will. And then we turn around and we recognize that they all, we all have gifts, we all have talents, and we all can find a way, there's something that brings us together. That's what we're learning here. But I'm really excited about today, because today we're talking about the unmarried. And notice that we haven't said single. Haven't said single, you haven't heard single and satisfied, right? We'll talk about the, the different biases that are connected with that and how that could be a stigma. But as we were preparing for this, it blew my mind how much was connected with how easily we can get caught up on someone's relationship status versus who they actually are. And when we think about the unmarried, you know, we, first we think someone who's single, but what does that mean? Is it the one that graduated from high school who's 18? Is it the uh, person who is uh, a professional and is unmarried? Is it a person who's divorced? Is it a person who is a widow that comes through? Is it a single parent? And what we began to realize is this, that we've put a lot of people into this very small category. And how much does that prevent us from actually getting to know them more? See, when we talk about that second part of the great commandment, to love thy neighbor as thyself, it really takes a purposeful effort. And it's really easy before we realize it, that I know for me, I can categorize people. And we're gonna soon find out that it's almost like turning it off to truly understand and to be open, just like Christ was. Because that's how we are able to do that 1 Corinthians 13 love. So you have an opportunity. You're going to sit back. You're going to be amazed at times. You may laugh at times. You may sit back, and your heart may get hit at times. But you have a job, and your job is here to truly take the effort to seek to understand. Because this all is preparing us for March 27th, which is family table. Family table, we're going to be out here for Aspire, and we're going to do dinner. So families, if you're not doing family dinner on a regular basis, guess what? We'll be doing it out here. We're going to practice what it's actually like to have those difficult conversations. And if you don't have family, guess what? We're going to be connecting you with your church family. See how that all works? And we're going to build relationship. We're doing that not just to do it, but to prepare us on how we build relationships for June which is when we start our neighboring initiative. So this is all very strategic. And it may seem simplistic, but it's so powerful when we truly do relationship as Christ has called us to, how he takes care of the rest. So I'm gonna be quiet, and I'm gonna let our amazing panel come up, and you all have your assignment, so. Give them another round of applause. Make them feel comfortable. 
get whiplash turning my neck looking at y'all over here, both sides of me. I wish I was a little closer to you guys. Pastor Jason, thank you for your introduction and your um, leadership in bringing this wonderful panel together. Uh, I wasn't here last Sunday, but I thank God for the uh, married couples who transparently shared their lives and their souls in um, the uh, initiation of this, this teaching series. This is not so much a Bible study as it is a body study. We're the body of Christ and we're learning from one another. We're all not feet, we're all not hands, we're all not hearts, but we have different parts of the body. And uh, so in celebration of Black History Month, they chose to use that name, Black Love Sunday, uh, not exclusive of any other ethnicity. There's a te television series also called Black Love. And so they were building off of that and that same type of model. But today, uh, the unmarried adults of our congregation are here to kind of um, go a little bit deeper, set the record straight, how many of you all have Facebook pages on the panel here? How many of you out there have Facebook pages? So when I first joined Facebook a couple of uh, years back, I noticed that um, I wasn't doing it all right. You know, first time you do it, you have to put in your, your information, who you are, marital status. And I think I put my marital status in there wrong. And one of our members texted me and said, oh, oh Bishop, you, got, you better change that. So if you know anything about Facebook, you got three options, married, single, or it's complicated. This panel up here today is to let you all know that it ain't complicated at all. They're very clear on who they are and who they're called to be. So I want to begin uh, just by asking uh, for a few introductions. Uh, Sister Connie, uh, how would you best describe yourself spiritually personally and professionally, uh, just just give us a clear picture. I describe myself spiritually focused and, and strong and hungry for the things of God. Been like that for over 30 years. So, yeah, I've been really pursuing in the things of God. I, I love God. I love ministry. So that's how I describe myself spiritually. Professionally, I view myself focused and driven. I work at a financial, a financial institution where we work with investments and brokerage accounts. And I'm there, I believe, by divine purpose because I have a strong desire to, for God's people, all people, but mainly the kingdom, God's people, to be able to finance the kingdom of God and not worry about being broke. So. I'm in that industry, and even though it's the world system, I see how I see how binding it is. But we have an advantage of the king being in the kingdom of God and God's laws and principle, and see how our kingdom can override the world system. So I'm kind of flowing back and forth. So that's how I describe myself professionally, which is driven and high achieving. Personally. I can be trifling at times. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was, amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding, too. Uh, personally, I, I love to have fun. 
I, I like to, you know, I, I, I like to travel nationally, internationally. Just came back from Egypt and Israel on my way to Atlanta, um, desiring to go to Africa. And, you know, so, you know, I, I just enjoy, you know, traveling. I don't mind going out by myself, eating dinner or lunch. Yeah. For my birthday, I went out, went to the spa. I felt like new money, went to lunch by myself, had a good time. So, you know, I don't, I, I don't mind that. I'm just, I love to have fun, and I love being around people Amen. Amen. Let me go to the left here. Uh, introduce you guys to Obi Nwabuzer. How would you best describe yourself spiritually, professionally, and personally? Okay, we're able now. <laughs> um, so spiritually, professionally, and personally, I would say that all three of those intertwine for me. Um, I'm a business brain man with a heart of service, um, so I'm a servant leader. Um, I'm happy to see you guys in your red because I work for, work for the American Heart Association. I'm the director of community impact, so that's what I do um, on a nine to five scale. But essentially, I'm community all around, um, whether it's in the church, whether it's outside of the church, and that's kind of been my life's purpose and my life's mission. Um, to serve God's people. Um, personally, I like to have fun, too. Um, yeah, I used to turn up. <laughs> Those days are long gone. I used to turn up. Uh, but, you know, I lived my life. You know, I bumped my head a little bit, and I learned from those things. Um, um, I'm a child of uh, Nigerian immigrants, and my mom's a lady evangelist, and she wasn't as hard on us. Um, she kind of let us learn things. So I'm happy she did that because I got to live my life a little bit you know, get back to uh, kingdom work. Amen. Let me keep it on this side. Um, Benitra, Lewis, did you guys want to address that question? Yes. It's working. Okay. Um, spiritually, I'm an intercessor. I love praying for people. I believe that I'm called to get people to the next level. So um, that's where my heart is, the heart to serve. I love God so much, and I love evangelizing and telling people about God. So my motto is telling, like, the getting up my body count. So that means wherever I go, I'm telling people about God. Um, I have a goal this year of 100 souls to save. Um, Amen. So, yeah. Amen. <laughs> okay. And you, you are also in the School of Urban Ministry in I the am. master's program. I am. And heading to Mardi Gras. Yes, so I you am. might get 200 souls yes, right yes, down there. Yes. So, yes. I'm in That's next week. That. Yes. Amen. I'm excited about that. Amen. I, I've been praying about it. So yeah, I believe it. I do. I definitely believe that. Um, personally, I'm a crisis stabilizer. So that's like emergency mental health professional. I go into situations that help children learn coping skills, help their families be able to deal with their students who have special needs and just... Um, trying to set the tone for healing in the family and be able to let them define their term their term of normal. Um, I'm also a business owner. My business is Aspired Inc. LLC. Um, I teach social-emotional intelligence, leadership skills, and entrepreneurial skills through the arts. Um, so yeah, helping people find their talents, gifts, and purposes in order to create sustainable lives. Amen. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> Let me go back over to the right. I told you I was going to get whiplash. 
side to side. Uh, Minister Sam Coleman, uh, we got the ministers on the right over here. Um, what does your relationship status, uh, where does it stack up in terms of your priorities in life? So I think, um, and, and good morning everybody, I, th I think the the privilege or the pleasure that I have with being married it is it allows me to be able to focus on on work and on school I think in ways that um, really allow me to invest in myself I recently started dating and so I'm, I'm learning where this priority stacks because there are times when like I could work 12 or 13 hours straight and then come home and study and I don't have to worry about like responding to text messages or phone calls or saying where I am um, that's different now. It's like <laughs> uh, so being accountable is, is important. And so I, I think, but but being unmarried, it really allows me to focus on the, the things that God has, has called me to do in the community um, here at Parkland um, and, in the, and in my workspace, um, and, and, and having the time to be able to do that. And so I would say I don't necessarily put it on a on a hierarchy where relationship, work, ministry, or, or whatever is here. But it um, I think about it like being on a wheel. And so I think my relationship, my, my, my work in ministry, um, my time with school, all of it is on a, on a wheel that's constantly rotating. And, and I think being unmarried allows me to spend less time on that piece of the wheel and more time with my work with ministry, um, my work um, in, 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 the, in, in the field, and then in my education. Amen. That's good. You know, amen. We can celebrate that. I want to just say to the married folks, don't y'all get jealous now and say, oh, my God, I wish I was unmarried. Because remember, Paul said, those of you who are married don't desire to be unmarried. Amen. So, Mr. Connie, why don't you address that? Where's your, where's your focus, your desires, your dreams, and, and how does your relationship status stack up against those priorities? It's not like Minister Sam. It's not like... I gotta be married, I wanna be married. No, because since there's nobody there, you know, I'm focusing on, <laughs> I'm focusing on me, you know? Um, you know, working on uh, my career, you know, interviewing for a promotion currently and, you know, studying and considering going for my doctorate. Um, really just, really focusing on preparing myself um, because when that day does come, there's a certain place that I wanna be in. You know, so since I have the time and the freedom, that's what I have to do. I don't have to call anybody and say, can I go shopping? No, I got my own money. I can go shopping, you know. Um, I can just really do what I want, like Minister Sam said, not to be held accountable. So it's not a high pri It's there, but it's not a high priority. Um, I, I, I love me. I love myself, so I don't have a problem. I'm not alone. I'm just unmarried. So, so I'm, I'm fulfilled, and so, you know, so I do have goals, hopes, and, and dreams, and I'm actually pursuing them. So. Amen. That's wonderful. Yes. To, the, to my left, uh, anyone over here want to uh, address that? What is your relationship status stack up among your, your priorities, and where is your focus, desires, and dreams? Sure, I'll take you. Um, <laughs> Um, we grew up disciplined. You know, my parents are Nigerian, so if anybody knows the African culture, it's, education is key. Like, that's the main focus. Um, so, 
school, 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 school. So I didn't have time to think about little boys. And I was a tomboy growing up anyway, so I was the friends of the boys, and they was talking about all the girls, and they was like, yeah, OB, she this. And I'm like, oh. So, you know, I was like one of the homies. So now that I'm older, now I'm on the other side of things. Um, and because I'm so engulfed in serving and engulfed in my work and engulfed in making sure that I'm successful and leaving a legacy and building wealth, um, relationship doesn't really stack up. Um, on the top of the spectrum for me. It honestly comes to the point where it's like, you know, what God has for me will be for me, and when that, when that designated time comes, then it'll be so. So that's kind of how my mentality has been down the line. Do I date? Do I court? Yes. Um, but, you know, of course, with some discernment, I mean, I try to be in alignment with God in the process. Um, we fall short. I fall short. Um, but, you know, you get back up. Um, you, lay, you lay down at God's feet, and you just say, hey, help me through this. Amen. Praise God. This is a pregnant pause. Anyone else over there? Oh, I guess. Can you hear me? Yes. Good morning. So for me, as far as priorities, what the relationship goes, um, I'm sort of kind of like the rest of them. I, given the fact that I do desire to be married, I don't place it as a top priority. Um, it more so like that Will Sam was talking about, is, is there, the desire is there, the, the intention is there. However, I know there's other aspects of my life that I need to focus on as well. Um, ministry, work, um, family, so those things, is, you have to basically, well, I um, keep balance with all those areas in my life. So. Lewis, let me ask a follow-up question to you. What are the challenges that you face being unmarried? Well, <laughs> um, I, I'll, there's, <laughs> well, being uh, unmarried, single, uh, most of my friends are either either in a long-term single relationship or they're married. So I'm typically like the fifth, a third, or seventh wheel uh, most of the times. Um, sometimes you get the pressure um, coming into church. Um, people that seen you or haven't seen you for a long time, they was like, "Well, what's going on in your in your dating life?" You know. So th those things can be. Um, touchy at times, you know, because I do desire to be married. Um, however, I try to overcome it. I mean, I get it from pe people at work. Um, oh, I thought you were married. Uh, you carry yourself as you were married. So it's, it's the stigma of being unmarried is sometimes it can be uh, seen as, as something that's wrong with you. But there isn't. There's nothing wrong with being unmarried. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate that. Praise God. By a show of hands in the congregation, how many are unmarried? Okay, about half of you, I would say. Put your hands down. Sister Steele got her hands up. She's like, <laughs> she waving. <laughs> she advertising. Pick me, pick me. Uh, just kidding, I'm just kidding. So in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus said it's better not to marry. And he was talking about um, 
when he said that, he said, everybody cannot receive that saying, but only those to whom it has been given. So being unmarried can be a gift. And he was talking about the context of eunuchs, some who were born that way, some who were made that way by force of a military or a king, and then some who have chose to live that life, to live the life for the sake of the kingdom. But he says everybody cannot uh, accept that. Let me ask you, uh, Obi, what value have you found in being unmarried? The value that I found in being unmarried is being able to have a relationship with God while I'm single. Um, I think when you're single, and speaking from a personal standpoint, that you have more time to have a personal relationship with God versus when it's you and somebody else, and then now you guys have to both figure out how you're gonna dedicate time to God together because you're supposed to be one. So being by myself, I can have that relationship with him. It could be authentic as it wants to be. I don't have to worry about somebody behind me saying like, why are you crying, girl? Uh, why are you leaning over? Why are you weeping? I could just be my authentic self with God. Um, and I think that's the beauty of being single, um, even though we all desire to essentially be married. Amen, that's great. Uh, I was in conversation with, with one of our leaders yesterday, and we're a church that uh, we are striving and seeking to bridge all kind of gaps, bridging the gap with our community, uh, even bridging the gender gap between male and female. I think we have a, we have a way to go in that area where, uh, as men of God, we see our sisters in Christ, um, not as men, but we see them in Christ so we don't treat them any differently simply because of their gender and vice versa. But there, there also is a way for us, that way that we have to go in terms of those who are married and those who are unmarried. Uh, Minister Connie, what, what's your response to that division of married and unmarried within the body of Christ? You was talking a little bit about oh, that. Like, a, uh, like a, there's a stigma. Um, I think... I believe that it's all about perception. I remember coming up, and every time and I didn't get involved in the singles ministry because they always spoke or ministered to us like we were hard up, wanted to have sex, wanted to be in relationship. And I said, all of us are not like that. Some of us really do love God. Some of us are hungry for the word of God. Some of us just really want to fulfill the plan and will of God. And every time, be celibate. You can do it. Jesus loves you. You're married to Jesus. I know all that. You know, so, you know, so sometimes I, it goes back to perception. You know, people just thinking because we're unmarried that that's where we're going. While some are, some are, you know, having those passions and desires and they veer off and, you know, fulfill those lustful, you know, desires. However, you know, if we just understand that our, everybody is not like that, you know, that we are sisters and brothers, you know, in Christ. And, and I will add this. Now, sometimes, now I do believe if there's somebody that's married, I don't believe a single person should always be in that married person's face all the time. However, if we're serving in ministry and we have to communicate, it doesn't mean I'm trying to flirt with you. And, and just because I'm talking to you, somebody else sees us talking, and then there's that perception as if somebody is trying to hit on you. That's not the case. We're serving 
in ministry. So we have to communicate. And I'm like, Brother Lewis, sometimes I'm always, all my friends, the closest ones are married. And the same thing, you know. Um, so that, that's what I believe where the, the, the division comes in. You know, it's all about perception. But when you understand our hearts and that we're all for building the kingdom and building the community and we're working together as one, I think that perception and that division can be torn down. Amen. That's great. Anyone else want to address that? The division? Yeah, I think um, I reflect on my experience here at Parkline. I have not experienced any division. I think I've been in, in a, I think, a wonderful place to be able to learn from a lot of married couples, um, to be able to learn from unmarried couples. I'm married, yeah, I'm married couples as well, dating couples, uh, married people. And I think I, I haven't recognized any division here, but I have learned, I think as I've gotten older, um, just as a little boy coming up, I would, you know, hug everybody and kiss everybody. And then as I got to be older, um, somebody was like, you know what, you can't kiss the married, like, you know, I was like, all right, like, I, it was good wisdom. It was like, you know, shake the husband's hand first, you know, hug, and this was, these were things that I think I just needed to learn. And, and as a place of, of being, um, I think, innocent and ignorant in that, I did learn to interact with married couples differently than I, than I think I had when I was growing up here. Um, but I appreciate that there are so many married couples here that embrace me and pour into me and, 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 and that I can learn from and that I can um, share time and space with. And so I, I really appreciated that. Nietzsche, I want to ask you this next question. Uh, the Bible talks about singleness as a gift. And uh, Matthew 19 as well said it's not everybody can accept that. Uh, what's your perspective on that? Does that gift come with challenges, responsibilities? What are they if, if they do? I definitely believe that singleness is a gift. Um, and I think it's a gift that's separate from waiting for your husband. So. I believe that I'm graced to be celibate in this season, but I also know that I am a wife. So when you, um, knowing that, like, it helps you be able to wait. I've been waiting for, I have children, so they're 13, 11, and 6. And after my 6-year-old, I'm like, okay, God, there's something that I'm doing wrong. I don't know what's going on. And um, I had to really realize it was like a flesh thing. So you can't be, well, for me because I know the calling on my life, I can't be having sex. Like, I can't do that. That's not where my, my life is. So when I dedicated my life to God and dedicated, like, fully my whole body to him and being in service of him, it came with the the value of, okay, even though you don't have the singleness gift as a eunuch, you have grace to wait for your husband. Um, so it's, it's, it's different. So, yes, praise God for the people who are actually um, – have the gift of singleness. I even took a spiritual gift assessment, um, and I scored low on that. So even though I'm celibate and I've been celibate for years, um, I don't have the gift of singleness. But it's a great thing to have. <laughs> you know, like I, it's, a, it's a great thing to have. But just knowing that waiting for your husband is something different from the gift of singleness. So don't get discouraged if you're not married. Just know that God has something better for you. And if you do wait, then people they notice that they watch you and stuff, and then you get to have your pick. So. Even though I have, you do. Even though I have children, I know that I don't have to just settle for just anybody. Um, I don't. So. Ooh, them brothers, they, they gonna be lining up, sister. You better watch out. <laughs> Anyone else want to talk about the singleness as a gift, the challenges and responsibilities? 
Go ahead, Lou. Uh, well, uh, singleness is a gift. Um, and for me, I think of it as differently than uh, Benitra. I think when in the season of singleness, I, I, I believe that that is my gift because I'm in that particular space at that moment. Um, there's, for me, there's a lot of freedom uh, when it comes to, to singleness. Um, you have to worry about yourself. You don't have a, a spouse or a mate to, to actually worry about. So that, that gives you some type of freedom. I don't have to consult anyone and, and about my um, decisions that I need to make, um, whether it's financial, um, job, whatever. I want to take a trip, I don't have to consult. Um, whether I want to take a vacation day or a vacation week, those are things that I don't have to talk about. I just look at my calendar and, okay, this one I want off. So there's um, different things that comes along with it. Um, yeah, I think that's about sums it up. Great job. I'm going to ask you another Thank question, you. Lewis. Uh, you and Benitra are the, the two on this panel that are unmarried parents. Can you give us a glimpse into what your journey has been like as single parents? Lewis and then Benitra. Okay. Um, my journey has been um, probably most like uh, the typical uh, black father um, in society. It hasn't been all that great. I, I want to clarify that. Having my daughter, yeah, that was the biggest blessing of my life. Um, the challenges of actually being a part of her life was very difficult to, to get established. Um, me and her mom never saw eye to eye um, after my daughter was born, so those things were different or difficult, I should say. Um, the court process is basically weighted on the woman's side and the state of Wisconsin, probably across the country. So there is a lot of uphill uh, battle when it comes to that. Um, then people in general, whether they're in the church, outside the church, um, there is a, a stigma placed on fathers, especially with daughters. Um, they feel that the father can't do the things that the, that the mom can do. Granted, there's different gifts between men and women when it comes to raising your child. However, if a man is purposeful in raising their, their daughter, I believe all things are possible. So I think um, I had great support uh, through my family, my close friends, and getting through uh, some things, um, whether it's court, um, helping raise my daughter, it takes a village. I can't do it alone. Um, but yeah, it's, I will hope that um, people in general, um, not just the church body, but people in general would, would actually look at the black male father and see that he's golden, that he's needed. Amen. Come on, we got to clap for that. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for your transparency on your journey. Benitra, what's your journey, man? Um, I would agree with Lewis. I have um, 
So mine's is a little different. I feel like I'm on the other side of that. Um, even with the court process and everything, I think, so I have, there's different processes, but I have shared place with my, placement with my children. That means like no parent is greater than the other. I don't have primary custody. We both, the oldest two have a dad and then the separate, um, the youngest has a different dad, but we have equal custody. So I'm not a single parent, I'm a co-parent. So it's different. So I have that value of both of um, them. And I think they're all amazing dads. So even though we don't agree, um, on a lot of stuff, I have taken, well, God has shown me how to value them in their life. So I do agree with Lewis, even with my daughter, I think that her relationship with her father, even as a 13 year old, is so important right now. So she needs to know that her dad loves her. She needs to know that um, like her affection and things like that, that is shown, like it comes from him, it doesn't come from me. I'm a nurturer and everything, but she looks, she's gonna relate to men the way that she relates to her father. So my role as a mother is I've been protecting that relationship, even when it doesn't feel good to me. Um, so I think that uh, God told me, my daughter was like three, and um, he told me to like build him up. So whereas I could tear him down for the things that I thought he wasn't doing the right way, I had to spend the time that I didn't like the stuff that he was doing in prayer versus telling him like you're parenting the wrong way you're doing this the wrong way you're gonna be just like your dad like those things that single parents because we get frustrated and um with the situation and differences and everything you can destroy the other parent and that affects the relationship with the child so um learning that early in my children's life has made it really great for them their dads have been amazing in their life and their dads um, are super supportive with coming to field trips, coming to basketball games, um, just being there because in large part that they don't have to worry about I'm, a, um, I'm out to get them or that I just want their money or that I just, you know, I don't value them as fathers. So even though we don't share households or anything like that, anything like that, we have a general set of rules for our children and so if their dad says like he doesn't agree with them playing Fortnite, they don't get to play Fortnite. If they, because there's a, and this is me, and it's working for me, so everybody's situation is different. But just knowing that like you do have a head of a family, and even though they're not my husband, what their decisions for their children matter, and then their children respect that, so they know like their dad's voice matters, their dad's opinion is important. And then I pray for them in the areas that they're weak in, and I've seen growth so much from where they used to be really, really irresponsible and not great parents to now I can actually say with confidence, like they are really great parents. Um, but it wouldn't have been that if I would have been um, in strife with them and contending with them on every decision. Sometimes you gotta pick your battles. And um, a lot of the, the wins, the small wins that um, we think are important really like destroy our children because when they get older they'll be able to say like yeah my mama like she was a lot of things but she never badmouthed him or that you know we made it easy for them and you I respect them as parents um, because of that like so it is hard being a co-parent but I think when we look at it as co-parenting versus single parenting that's where the change actually happens Let's thank God for those transparent journeys 
And it, it shows me, and hopefully you all see, the need for us to support unmarried adults and not live in a state of prejudging um, or distance. And as Pastor Jason said, we have, a, we have an action step for all of us at the end of this um, service, and that is to go outside of our space, our comfort zone, and to go deeper into authentic relationships and authentic families because there's so many expressions of families. Everyone on this platform is an expression of a family. Um, and it's my desire and dream for Parklawn Assembly of God that uh, we be that church in the community where all families can come in and uh, they will find love and they'll find light, they'll find God's uh, life. Uh, we will continue to be what you see is what you get. This is all authentic. So my, my last question uh, comes out of uh, Psalm 68, verses 5 through 6, where the Bible says that God is a father to the fatherless, that he is a defender of widows. It describes God in his holy dwelling. Verse 6 says, God sets the solitary, that's King James Version, the NIV is God sets the lonely in families. But the Hebrew word is God sets the only in families. So when you're unmarried, you're only. That's where we get the word one from. It means unique. He makes a home for them. He sets them in families. It's our vision for the church is that this become a home for all families. He causes them to sit down. He makes a homeland for them. And a biblical uh, correlation is the story of Mephibosheth, uh, who was the son of Jonathan, who was David's uh, closest friend. And um, after Jonathan died, Mephibosheth's nurse was trying to protect the young child's life, and she got in a hurry, and she picked the child up, and she ran to protect him, but she slipped and dropped him. She picked him up again. He was lame in both of his feet. But in 2 Samuel chapter 9, David later on, years later, said, is there anybody left in Saul's household that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake because of the covenant relationship I have with Jonathan? And he was told that there was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was fatherless. Mephibosheth was living in a barren place called Lodabar, and they told David, yes, he has a son. He's living there. And David said, go and get him. And they brought Mephibosheth to David, and David said to Mephibosheth, I'm going to treat you like a father now. You're always going to eat at my table just like you're one of my sons. That's a picture of God setting the only in families. That's a picture of what this church is becoming. And so my last question, and to give each of you an opportunity if you'd like to, starting with Minister Sam, and we'll just go to the, to the left, uh, how can we support you as a family in this church, as an unmarried adult? Um, I think uh, being, um, you know, as, as a young black man um, living in the city where it is challenging sometimes to be a young black man. Um, it's important for me to, to be able to learn from um, 
from men and from women who have had life experiences and who have gone before me. And I think um, it's critical for me to be able to learn from uh, my elders, to be able to learn from um, people who have had lessons that I, I don't have to learn because they can share those with me instead of me going through them, um, bumping my head and, 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 and starting over. And so um, that's going to be really important for me. It has been really important for me in my journey to um, get wisdom, um, to get insight from um, not just older people, but just the, the body of Christ in general. And so I think more of that is important for me and more of it is important for um, other young black men who show up here and sometimes we, I mean, we can move in and out of the door um, and either go unnoticed or people see us but not really see us. You know, it's like I see a smile, I see a suit, and so I see the assumption that everything is okay. And so I think for me being here, it has been easy to go in and out of church and be like undetected and really unnoticed. Um, and so I think being noticed and being um, in a place to learn from is important for me. For me, support is just being there for one another. I love you and I love God's people and I want the best and I the same because there were times and this was before Parklawn, I remember when I was really going through a, a challenging time, and at the time I was a leader, and I felt like there was no one that I could talk to because, you know, leaders, you know, I was in the, uh, you know. And I remember asking myself, who could I talk to? And I'm looking at the leaders, and I was like, they tell people's business, they tell people's business. I'm not talking to them because they trifling. And I felt like I could not even talk to the leaders. And, and there was one leader, we were at a friend's house, and she said, Connie, I just knew something wasn't quite right. And I said, how come you didn't say anything? Because if she, she detected it, she didn't pray for me, she didn't come to me to ask me, how are you doing? Because had she done that, then I would have known that she was the one that I could talk to and I didn't have to go through the years that I've gone through when I needed that help. So just being there, if you detect something, just ask, I do that. I'll check. I'll do my check-ins. Don't don't I check in. How you doing? So that being being there and listening is important to me. Um, I'm laughing because she does. She definitely will look at you and she'll she'll ask those questions. So um, I think that when, when we think about support, we have to think about is a two-way street. So for me, um, support looks like follow-up. So there are a lot of people who they do check in, um, and they ask you, and they ask you in the moment um, with the follow-up behind that. Or if, uh, or if they see me and they see things like, okay, well, I, I believe I know where your head is spiritually. Um, it's one thing to to say like you should, but it's another thing to like show how. So, because um, we make mistakes, we get stuff wrong, but the the instruction behind it is something that is so valuable to me, and that's what I would need in order to continue to move forward. That's good. Um, I would agree with what everybody has said, but I would also like to say. Um, for me, I think support really starts with just acknowledging one another. Um, you can't support somebody that you don't acknowledge. 
Um, I think a lot of us go through Monday through Friday not being acknowledged. Um, personally, as an African-American woman, and only African-American in the state who works for my place of work, I go a lot being unacknowledged. So then to be in the midst of your people going acknowledged, that's, that's another step. If we see other African-Americans that look like us, smile at them. If you look at them, say, good morning, brother, good afternoon, sister. It doesn't take nothing out of your day just to do that. And I think that's where it actually starts. Last but not least, Lewis. Well, um, I think being authentic is not just being authentic, but building authentic relationships with people. Um, I think that's key. Um, and doing so out of love, not just to get in their business. Like, ask someone how they're doing, like pause, and actually have a conversation. Sometimes you may, you know, be walking through these these hallways, it's one thing, wait, hey, what's up, how you doing? And then you just say, okay. But if you know that person, you will know that they're okay is really not their okay. So you have to be able to build authentic relationships to, to be able to identify when they're okay is not okay. You may not say nothing in that moment, like Benetria said, the follow-up piece. That's huge. You have to follow up with people, your brothers and sisters in Christ in this church and in your family. Just follow up and be authentic. Show love. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkland Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.